Welcome into Locked On Knicks. The Knicks are back in the winning column again, and it feels good to be back. 92 to 84 over the Indiana Pacers. I'm Alex Wolf. He's Gavin Shaw, and we're going to be talking about this very game today. And Gavin, I think there's a lot of things to talk about, positive and negative in this game, and, and what was sort of a mixed bag, but ultimately a, a good win for the Knicks. Yeah, I feel like I was caught up in a glass cage of emotion that entire game. A lot, a lot of missed threes, um, but then down the stretch, none of it mattered because Emmanuel quickly went supernova. Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett had thrilling redemption arcs, and the Knicks pulled off a, I would say, really important. Like, season saving sounds strong, but I would say early season defining victory over the Indiana Pacers. So all that and much more is coming up right now on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks. Your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. I am Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Knicks site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. And I'm also writing about the Knicks for clutch points this year. He is Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. And as we said in the intro, we are talking about the Knicks 92 to 84 win over the Indiana Pacers. Gavin, I'm going to take us on the, the the ride up to the fourth quarter real quick. Then I'll throw it to you to talk about that. So this was a, a really interesting game. You know, there was talk from Derek Rose over the weekend about how uh, he said in practice yesterday, the starting unit was really throwing something different out there. They were looking to pass the ball more to generate better shots, this, that, and the other. I think that really showed in the first quarter. You know, the shots weren't falling. Unfortunately, the Knicks shot, I think it was like 0 of 7 on threes in the first quarter and like 1 of something or 2 of something in the whole first half. And it was just not pretty uh, at all. And they had a real hard time getting the the ball to go through the net this, this game. But obviously so did the Pacers if they only scored 84 points. But the process looked pretty good for the Knicks and they were defending well. You know, they were they were holding the Pacers to bad shooting too. And I say holding them to it because they didn't feel fluky. It felt like the Knicks were actually doing their job on defense. It felt more like last year where the offense was a little inept, but the defense just kind of made up for it and kept things tight. And things were tight through that whole first quarter. Then the whole second quarter, basically the same story. Starters maybe faltered a little bit in that second quarter when they came back in which then led to the Knicks being down by a point at halftime. Fine, whatever, that's all good. Then the third quarter starts, and I start getting deja vu again. I start breaking out in a cold sweat. The Knicks go from you know down by one to suddenly down by a dozen in a matter of a couple minutes because they just came out really not doing many of the same things they did in the first quarter. Uh, they weren't even necessarily isoing too much. They were just being really sloppy with the turnovers and stuff, there was one particularly horrendous sequence by Julius Randle. They actually got him booed off the floor 
uh, where he he turned the ball over. Uh, he did like one of his classic spin move things. He let somebody completely blow by him on D and then did another just really careless turnover. And they were all just like dribble off your foot, like nonsense, not paying attention turnovers. He walked off the floor looking really dejected. But to his credit, uh, well, of course, the bench comes in and they start sparking the comeback. But Gavin, to, to Julius's credit and to RJ, who had a really rough game up until the second half and mostly the fourth quarter, you know, I, I think that they – those two in particular, say whatever you want about the the other three starters. Mitch got hurt, which is kind of beyond his control. But Fournier kind of was not looking fantastic in the second half. Uh, Walker actually looked decent, but, you know, he was really efficient scoring the ball. But something just wasn't quite clicking with him out there in this game. But, like, Julius and RJ, I think, did a really good job, you know, along with, obviously, Emmanuel Quickly, Derek Rose, Taj Gibson, Obi Toppin, Alec Burks in varying capacities of closing this game out and and finally, you know, gutting out a win for the Knicks instead of coughing one up down the stretch. Yeah. I mean, I, I was so frustrated with Randall in, in the early going of this one. Like I, like there was another, I mean, it, it's been what's it's been happening all year, but it was insane to me that on a Tom Thibodeau coach team that this could still be happening given the Knicks struggles, like where Randall and Mitch just were extremely slow to run back. And it led to Karis LeVert just getting a wide open dunk. On the other end, part of it also was that Evan Fournier, instead of trailing Levert, like inexplicably tried to double the ball, even though it was a transition situation. And it, that one play, I think it was like mid third quarter. That was sort of a microcosm of the Knicks entire season up to this point. And I was just I was kind of sick to my stomach. I was like, why? What is Tibbs doing? Like he just has to like like that cannot be tolerable, even if it is Julius Randle, even if it is your best player. Um, but he, he was pulled a little bit after to your point. He came back in and then. I, I could see this being a real turning point in the next year because he was a completely different guy after coming back in. He was the Julius Randle of last year. And in turn, the Knicks were, were to your point, the Knicks of last season. Like, like we can go through the like final like few minutes, but um, like late in the third, um, there was like an Evan Fournier drive that led to like RJ catching on the wing, kicking to Randall. Randall had a swerving drive into an and one. Um, then in the fourth quarter, I mean, it was just hustle plays, right? It wasn't even him like, like getting hot and hitting threes. And, and to me, that's even more significant that it was, it was about his energy and his effort and his attitude. Um, he had this like great tipped rebound away from miles Turner and then sprinted all the way out into the far corner to be able to save it. That I'm pretty sure that led to a bucket on the other end. Um, and then like maybe like one of the best plays of the night, like drove a closeout, um, had two pacers kind of drop in on him at the rim hop step to settle and then kick out to the opposite corner for Emmanuel quickly, who outs up there back to you to talk about after this, but was absolutely insane in the fourth quarter. And, and then Randall just like laid his body out to beat Turner to another rebound to tap the ball to Burks. Like he, he was falling backwards and just sort of got a big left paw on it, hit it off the floor, allowed it to be saved to Burks. And like, that's ultimately like if Julius Randall, like, is sort of who he claims he is. Like, those are the types of plays he has to make. Those are the types of plays he has not made all season. Those were the types of plays he made all of last year. And it was so good to have that guy back. And then to your point, RJ, like he played, like he he was shooting ridiculously bad. He started off 0 for 6. You combine that with last game. He was obviously uh, one of his last 15 at a certain point, which is, and he just, I, I think you you tweeted out something about it. Like, I think you tweeted out that he was overthinking. Like his shot just looked so mechanical and bro. It was like he was devolving in front of his our eyes because he 
was trying to figure out on the fly, like, what am I doing wrong? How do I adjust? And then in the second half, um, and, and the stat was um, he was 13 of his last 56 at a certain point. Um, and, and then it just got uglier. Like he missed a floater, then he missed a three. And, but then he picked it up because his defense started getting really good. And he had like this great possession in the third quarter where he shut down Karis LeVert, poked the ball away from him, then hit those back-to-back threes, both off Taj Gibson passes, missed two shots in a row in the fourth, but he didn't let that deter him. Like he came back, he got to the line. Um, he had a really nice contest on Drew Holiday to preserve the Knicks 83-82 lead. And then, of course, that final sequence where it was Julius Randle to Derrick Rose to RJ for the wide open dagger three to end the game. So I just, for both him and Randle, I give them credit because they kept playing. And they didn't. They didn't kind of drag their feet. They. They. It was just. It was all effort down the stretch. And that. That. In. In addition to Emmanuel quickly won the next the game. Yeah, and it's so. It, it would have been so characteristic for them to come in and drag their feet based off recent returns, right? Like that's just kind of been the story. That was the story in the Hornets game where, the bench brought them all the way back after the starters faltered in the third quarter, and then Tibbs, said, "All right, you know, I can't, play these bench guys." for the whole, you know, fourth quarter again and have to play like 16, 17 straight minutes. So, you know, I'm going to put Julius and RJ and Kemba back in and then it just didn't work, obviously. And they they blew that one and wound up losing. In this game, totally opposite. They came in and instead of feeling sorry for themselves for how they played in the third quarter, they came out and they just said, let's redeem ourselves and play better. And they did just that and go figure it worked out really well and they wind up winning the game. Uh, I think it's about time to move on to Emmanuel quickly, but uh, I do think that we should take our first break just in the interest of the fact that we know that we're going to talk for at least five to eight to 10 minutes on Emmanuel quickly <laughs> coming up. So Gavin, do you want to let everybody know about Theragun real quick? Yeah, I'd love to Alex. Um, I, I want to, I mean, Emmanuel quickly did this for me tonight, but if you don't have an Emmanuel quickly in your life, you got to, you got to take into account your daily stress and not let the stress of daily life weigh on your body. Whether you're an elite athlete or someone like me, just trying to make it through the day tension free, Theragun can help. Theragun is a handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power. And it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good, it gets to the source of pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out, an injury, or just the stresses of everyday life, there's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. The OLED screen and design make you feel like you're holding something from the future. Just go to their site and check it out. And the Theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines. I had a Theragun over the summer and I absolutely loved it. It was, it was a real lifesaver. I was playing a lot of basketball. I was climbing a lot of stairs. I was in a walk up and I used it every single night and it made me feel just fantastic. Theragun is trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, hundreds of thousands of customers and me. So try Theragun for 30 days, starting at only $199. Go to therabody.com slash locked on right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's therabody.com slash locked on, therabody.com slash locked on. All right. So to so to get into that Emmanuel quickly discussion, Gavin, uh, 16 points, five and nine shooting, four, four from three, five rebounds, one assist for quickly. If there was ever a game where a quite frankly, Oh, all in 23 minutes. I should note if there was ever a game where a quite frankly, robust box score did not even begin to tell the whole story. 
it was this game because, you know, seeing that he was four, four from three does not get across the point that almost every single one of those came at an absolutely critical moment when the Knicks needed a three pointer, you know, once again, he was the hero tied the game with a big three made a couple that, that brought the Knicks, you know, closer to the Pacers when they were trailing after that, you know, initial third quarter fall off as per usual. And just on top of that, the energy that he brought on both ends was insane. I mean, I, (laughs) when I was talking about this in, uh, in the Strickland's discord channel for our Patreons, I was like, it, he reminded me of like a podcast being played on one and a half times speed while everybody else was on one times. Like he was just all over the place, just, zipping from one side of the court to the other on defense, maybe even arguably overplaying some stuff at times, but it didn't matter because the energy was so infectious. Like pretty soon you start seeing Taj Gibson running, you know, all the way across the court to try to get to guys in the corner and things of that nature. And it's just like, you could just see the effect that quickly has on his teammates in these games. And, you know, it was was so infectious and, and so amazing. Uh, The other thing too is, you know, those five rebounds also, I mean, you want to talk about everything just coming at the biggest moment possible. There was one late in the game. I forget who missed the shot, if we're being honest, but there was this rebound that quickly had no business getting to the Pacers all just kind of were like, thought that the Knicks had basically cleared out already. And then quickly just starts beelining towards this rebound from one of the baselines, grabs it and gets a new possession for the Knicks. And it's just, it was plays like that that just like were even more impressive to me than than the you know watermelon sized cojones plays he was making with the you know making the three pointers at all the critical moments because with how this team has been playing and with how the starters have been playing and this was you know in moments where like Julius Randle had gotten back in the game and I believe RJ was back in at that moment with the rebound or whatever it, you have to like. I mean, it seems ridiculous that considering these guys are all professionals and they should all have a sense of pride about this sort of thing and, and not really need too much motivation to like try, but they clearly needed that right now and quickly gave it to them. And, you know, you could just see the effect that it was having on guys like Julius and RJ to be able to see someone playing with that level of, of just like pure drive and hustle and motivation to win the freaking game. And it definitely carried over to those two as well. And go figure down the stretch, even though like Julius didn't really make many shots down the stretch, he was moving the ball really well. He was playing really tight defense. RJ Barrett finally finds his stroke late, you know, makes a couple really big plays, including one really nice, like hustle cut to the rim that Derek Rose finds him for a dunk late. That was one of the key buckets going down the stretch too. It's, it's just great to see, you know, and quickly is really, he, and uh, you know, not to, not to, uh, diminish Obi Toppin who does the same thing pretty much every night but those two guys are just such bundles of energy coming off the bench that they really have the power to like inspire an entire team to do better just by the energy that they bring by themselves yeah I mean to to shout out one of our former sponsors it looked like quickly took a blue chew before this game like he (laughs) he just had like an insane verve to him and he I, I like the we're way, calling it these days. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Verb, a unique verb. Um, yeah, um, he, I, I get the same verb from Theragun. Um, but he, <laughs> he was um, like baby Steph Curry sounds sacrilegious, but that that's that's how he played tonight, right? Like he was tilting the floor, not just with his shooting, but with his handle and his speed. Like he was torching people 
off the dribble. Like he, he had that just nasty crossover on Sabonis. I think that was the, the rebound you mentioned. And then he kicked it to Burks, Burks missed, and then he got the rebound. But he, he was just like torturing people off the dribble. And I love when, I mean, again, like it's, it's, it's exactly how I framed it last podcast. Like it's when he gets his swagger back, he's just a completely different dude for whatever reason. Maybe it was just, it was a little nerves to start the season. He was kind of questioning what his role was going to be. He wasn't sure how many minutes he was going to play, but now that he's rolling, like when he's allowed to just dribble the ball and go between his legs and like speed by someone and hit a floater, like he becomes just a different player. And, and again, it's someone who like he can manipulate defenses so well because they have to come out to 26 27 feet and it becomes really the same equation that defenses have had to deal with with Steph for years now where it's how do you cover someone who is quicker than everyone out on the floor when you have to give him the longest runway humanly possible or he's just going to be banging long threes in your face and and again the, the thing with quickly and why he's not Steph or even Steph light right now is because the consistency isn't there but if he becomes this guy every night, he's one of the single most impactful bench players in basketball, if not the most impactful bench player in basketball, and maybe destined for a whole lot more. So there's still there's still a long way to go before he claims that particular destiny. But the the flashes like we saw tonight, like this is the first time this season that he's hit this level, but we we knew last year he could hit it. And that that's what keeps us going. That's what keeps us tantalized. And that's why I mean for all of last year, like like five games ago, this would have been a ridiculous argument. But last year we were making the argument like him, not RJ, not Mitch, not Obi was the next most valuable young guy. And in moments like this, like obviously it's a conversation between him and RJ, but I, I feel like, like, uh, like after tonight, I'm like, I wouldn't trade IQ for not that I wouldn't trade IQ for anyone. I would trade IQ last out of all the next young studs. Yeah. At this particular moment, that really doesn't even feel crazy at all. I mean, as much as we love RJ too, and, you know, if you would have asked us this two weeks ago, we would yeah, have said. Yeah, it's fickle. It's fickle, right? <laughs> yeah, it is very fickle. Like, if you would have asked us two weeks ago, we would have said, oh, RJ is the future. He's going to be, he's going to surpass Randall soon enough and blah, blah, blah. No, no issues giving him his max contract and all that. RJ has shown, though, I mean, he's, he could be mer- mercurial at times. And, and that's showing in the bad way right now. IQ also can be. And two weeks ago, we were saying, oh, damn, we're kind of worried about him. Has he forgotten how to shoot? And now... Go figure, he has not forgotten how to shoot. Hopefully, sooner than later, he, Obi, and RJ will all be thrive. And Mitch. Hopefully, Mitch gets healthy. We talked about this before the show briefly, but hopefully, Mitch has this like sprained ankle apparently now that keeps flaring up. Hopefully, they just kind of decide, like, let's sit him for like five, six, maybe even seven games. Uh, I think it's kind of hinging on when Noel comes back, but that's like a totally separate thing. And actually, you know what? That's something good. That maybe we could talk about uh, uh, briefly in the next segment here. But first, I just got to let everybody know today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. And you guys know the drill with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models. It's impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why would you want to endure all the pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait for the person behind the counter to order parts on their computer, choosing only a brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. You could save time and money when you use Rock Auto. Why would you want to spend 30%, 50%, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? And on top of that, they're a family business. They've been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. And Rock Auto's prices are reliably low for every customer, not just for the mechanics. You and I and anyone else who just wants to work on their car at home can get low prices every single day without having to show 
I, I don't know what mechanics show. They don't have a license, I guess, I don't, like a business card, whatever. You don't have to be a mechanic. You can get low prices no matter what. So if you want to get some parts for your car or truck and see what rockauto.com has, head there right now. Again, rockauto.com. See all the parts available for your car or truck. If you decide to pick something up, right, locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. We're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this year. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. And we are back on Locked On Knicks, but I wanted to remind you all one final time, uh, thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day. We are now available on all platforms, including, and you know this if you're currently looking at our beautiful faces, on YouTube. Anyways, uh, let's let's wrap this one up, Alex. Um, I feel like we, we still have so much to talk about. We covered RJ. We covered Randall. We covered IQ. Um, a lot of other outstanding performances. I'll leave it to you. Where, where do you want to where do you want to jump to next? Well, I guess we could shout out Kemba Walker, right? For the second straight game, really carried the offense early. You know, the Knicks just couldn't make any shots. And the impressive thing with what was going on with Kemba was that it wasn't just that he was shooting well. He actually didn't shoot all that well at all. He went 0-1 from 3. He wasn't this just like pull up and spot up three-point guy that we've seen so many times this year. He seemed to really make an effort of like, I'm going to get inside and I'm going to try to get some finishes inside and, you know, do things of that nature. Didn't get any foul calls. The, the whistle was terrible. Real quick, real quick. How did you feel about the whistle in this game? I thought it was terrible. I, I think the rest have just been doing a really bad job this year on, yeah, on well, all accounts, not even just for the Knicks. The the Kemba play kind of epitomized it, right? Where he ran into, I don't know if it was uh, Justin Holiday or someone else, mm-hmm. but and, and he and he shot it, and the refs were like, "Oh no, we're not giving you the, those bait fouls this year." It's like, dude, he like impeded his like direction in the rim. If you don't want to call it a shooting foul, that's fine, but it's definitely it's a, foul a foul because yeah. Yeah, he bumped into him. Yeah, if you and, and like and it's like they're punishing Kemba for trying to get the shots, which is what guys have done for years, and that's fine if that's not the call anymore. But you still have to call the foul if it's there. And to, to me, that was that was pretty much the story of it. Yeah. And there's just been, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like the biggest thing is that the refs are like learning on the fly what they want to be calls and what they don't, but then they keep changing their mind partway through the game. So you'll see like the same play show up as a foul and then not a foul in the same game. And the NBA has generally been pretty good about that sort of thing over the years. And I just feel like it's been a mess this year anyway. So you know, Kemba was getting inside, didn't get any free throws out of it. Probably should have gotten a few because I thought that he was really getting getting kind of mauled in there. And IQ kind of did too. Like he he had to get like practically bear hugged by TJ McConnell to get a foul call at a certain point. Um, but I guess that was just how the refs decided they wanted to call the game on this particular day. But, uh, you know, Kemba was doing well with he had some mid-range pull-ups. He was getting inside early and often. And he really carried the offense in the first quarter when the rest of the team couldn't hit anything. And that was extremely valuable, kind of like it was the other day in Charlotte. The the good part of it was that they were 
playing really well on defense and stuff too. And the process was better. Like in Charlotte, it was kind of just the Kemba show where they just kind of were giving him the ball. And it's like, oh, well, he's cooking. So we'll just stand around and do nothing. In this one, it was more concerted efforts. Like Kemba was driving because he would get the ball swung to him on the perimeter and would see a wide open lane baseline, baseline or whatever to try to get in and get a layup rather than just shooting a three. And so he did that a number of times and to great effect. So I, uh, I thought that he had a really great game. Um, and then, well, you know, I'll just throw it to you for Kemba first. I mean, what, what did you think about Kemba's play in this game? Despite the fact that he didn't close the game, I thought that he, he all in all was pretty damn good in this one. Just that the the shot making was was insane the entire. I mean, I mean, you referenced some of it, but like the the up and under for the very first play of the game was like absolutely dirty. Where he got Holiday up in the air, just stepped through, hit a floater. Um, like the like the multiple times he just crossed up Sabonis. That that one like where he went across the lane, hit the banker, um, in and out snake back via crossover to hit like a fadeaway from the elbow. And like the thing is like that the Knicks just needed him because I think everyone else in the Knicks started like zero for eight in the first quarter. The Knicks cumulatively went zero for nine from three. Like if Kemba doesn't make the, I mean, obviously like the Pacers weren't setting the world on fire. They got 20 points in the first quarter, but if Kemba was off, the Knicks would have probably had single digits in the first quarter. So uh, shout out to him. Uh, really good game. Weird that he only played 20 minutes in a game where he shot eight for 11. And that, that tells you again, that there are just very real defensive issues there. And it tells you that uh, Derek Rose was uh, fantastic. I was going to, I was going to put another word in front of that, but I, I probably stretched our limits with the blue chew reference, um, but he had 14, <laughs> seven and five in this one. And I mean, it was just, just typical of what we've seen from Rose this year. It, it's kind of crazy that he just like, he doesn't look even more athletic than last year. He looks more athletic than he did back in 2016 and to me, what that is, is that he he's figured out his shot now and you see defenders like respecting that and coming way out on him. And because of it, he gets these long runways to show off that he still has that burst. But like his first bucket of the game, he just absolutely dusted TJ McConnell with like this little like like jab and like sweep the other direction. And McConnell's head was literally turned towards the opposite bench. And then he just blew by, I think it was Keelan Martin for a lefty layup. And then I was just like, oh, that is that is Derek Rose epitomized. And then the the lob to Obi, like off the little dribble handoff where he went, where like Obi just kind of curled around and went back doors. That was just, that's just a pass that a Hall of Famer makes. Like it was picture perfect arc and timing on it. Um, had another just insane pass to Obi where he went cross court. And it was a really weird angle. And it was one of those passes where I can't tell if it was a bad pass or if this was intentional. If it was intentional, it was a genius move. It was off just enough that Sabonis sort of dove at it. And because of that, Obi was able to get right around him and then had that insane like play of the game, double pump, dunk over Goga Bizdake. Um, that was, I can't pronounce the last name, but that was nice. Um, and then, yeah, hit hit the like, Julius Randle-style fadeaway to basically seal the game before hitting RJ up court for a slam. Um, so he was, yeah, I mean, I, I can keep going over it, but just another incredible effort for Derrick Rose continues to make the case that he is the next single best player. He's far and away their most consistent player. Uh, yeah. I love, I love Derrick Rose. I don't know what else to add to it. Yeah. I don't have too much more to add to that either uh, because I, I agree with pretty much all of it. He also threw a really fantastic lob to Obi Toppin at one point who threw down an awesome lob. And I have to just shout out Obi despite having a relatively pedestrian by his standards, four points, four rebounds, no other stats in 16 minutes, but a tidy plus 10, which as always is emblematic of the type of energy he's bringing out there. Uh, he had a, that 
awesome like his two field goals one was that awesome uh like backdoor alley-oop that rose sort of like willed into existence it was really cool like it you could tell it wasn't really the play but he just kind of like saw the baseline open up and then it must have had some sort of signal for obi i didn't see it to be like obi cut <laughs> and then obi just like cut and rose through this like picture perfect pass from baseline for an alley-oop and then obi got it in the corner managed to drive baseline and uh speaking of goga i'll attempt the name now bitaz bitazdi i think bitazi bitazi um he managed to uh obi managed to drive in and do like a a double clutch two-handed dunk going sideways sort of but dunking from the front of the rim it was it was really bizarre to see sort of in motion and when he put it through i honestly was like oh crap he's about to get blocked or try to do the the obi of last year and uh you know reposition himself midair and and just throw up a really whack layup that would go nowhere but no instead he just finished the power and it was just it was one of the more athletically awesome dunks i i think i've seen in a while and it's not to say that like you know, I, I don't think it was like dunk of the year or something like in the, over the whole NBA. And obviously, like on in terms of posterization, like he didn't like knock Goga over or whatever, or do any of those classic tropes of a posterizing dunk. Uh, but I think that it was it was one of Obi's best in game dunks of his career so far. Just amazing to see the the level of pure athleticism that that dude has that he can just unleash at any given moment. Uh, I'm trying to think who else to. To shout out, oh, Taj Gibson, obviously. Yeah, like, awesome. Yeah, I mean, Taj, tell me if this is the most like Taj Gibson stat line ever. Uh, he was two points, 0 of two shooting, two of two from the free throw line, eight rebounds, three assists, one steal, one block, and a team high plus 22 in 29 minutes. I mean, just crazy stuff. He continues to be the ageless wonder. Those stats don't even come close to quantifying what he did on the court because he basically spent all night like knee deep in pacers uh just completely in the thick of everything you know fighting for rebounds every second of every possession to try to get that even if he wasn't going to get the rebound himself trying to tap it back out for other Knicks to get to or whatever and that actually resulted in the pacers sort of getting in foul trouble a tiny bit because they kept having to foul him to stop him from getting rebounds and which is kind of insane for a team that has two, like, I, I guess you wouldn't call Sabonis a true seven footer, but two guys that could reasonably play center that they start and another guy off the bench in Goga, who's pretty large himself. The fact that Taj was out there just completely destroying them on the rebounds in this game, even if it didn't show up in the, like I said, in the, in the, the scoring column as like him having, 25 rebounds like Andre Drummond or something. He only had eight, but like he did a really good job, particularly with Turner and with Goga of making sure. I mean, those two guys, Turner and Goga had five combined rebounds the whole night. And I think that had a lot to do with Taj because they didn't know what to do with him being in the middle there with the amount of energy he was bringing. And I just thought as per usual, you know, he did a bunch of stuff that didn't show up on the stat sheet, but certainly showed up in the win for the Knicks in the end. Yeah, I think he made that closing lineup work at the end, right? The IQ, Rose, 
RJ Randall Taj. Like he was like his his help defense, that deflection he had on like the third to last possession that got the Knicks a steal. Like as always, he was the unsung glue that that held that group together. Because if not, they they would have gotten blown up and given up some points. But instead, they I think they didn't allow a point in the final like two three minutes of the game. So that was awesome. Um, I, I last person I want to talk about is Fournier, who I just thought had an interesting game. Like I actually really liked. What, I know we were debating this a little bit pre-show. I really liked what he was doing in the first quarter where him, like we were complaining like constantly, like where did the two-man game with him and Randall go? That looks so good in the preseason and looked really good at points in the first game of the year. Um, and it, it was back and full. Like you could tell Tibbs was like, hey, you guys have awesome chemistry. Just like, we're, we're going to call plays for you. Just just do your thing and, and make it work. Because he knew that he had to get both those guys going. So I give a lot of credit to the coaching staff for this. Or maybe it was Fournier and Randall just talking about it. I don't know. I'd love for a reporter to ask one of them. But right off the bat, like a nice, really nice give and go cut with Julius Randall. I think Fournier missed the layup, but it was it was really, it was like, I, I was encouraged right off the bat. I was like, that, that is exactly what you want. They had like a swing, swing sequence that got Randall wide open three. Again, missed, but I wrote like good process. Um, then a two-man game with Randall that led to Fournier like throwing him a little slip pass as Randall um, like ducked uh, the screen. And then Randall had a nice lefty layup. He ran the same play with Kemba later on. It worked just as well. And Randall had a, two really nice finishes. Again, get Julius Randall with some momentum going towards the rim. And good things are going to happen. Um, then Julius like got him back and hit him for a nice little floater. Then Fournier had a drive. Nice cross-court pass to Burks. Burks missed the three. Um, another two-man game with Randall where – and this, this was one of my favorite plays of the game. He did the Chris Paul where he just used his ass to keep the defender off of him. And that made Randall's man like be like, oh, shoot, I got to go help over. Like he has him, he has him in jail. And then um, he just hit Randall in the corner for a three-pointer. Um, in the second half, to your point, like it wasn't as much. And like he took uh, he took like one three like early in the shot clock that I didn't really like. But overall, I, I actually thought this was even, – even though he didn't finish and like I think pretty clearly like – Tibbs just trusts um, Alec Burks more defensively. And that's why we've like, and that's a con- kind of a concern that Fournier again is on this. Like I-, I know the fourth year is an option, but like a four year, whatever, like $80 million contract. And as of now um, he's like not able to close these games, like seemingly because of his defense. But I-, I thought tonight was a step forward for him. And I think again, when the shooting fully comes around that combined with the two man game is going to be enough to maybe like buoy his status where he is someone who closes games and he is someone the Knicks rely on down the stretch. Yeah, I, I liked the two-man game, too. I don't have too much more to add about Fournier there other than just my complaint. I guess my devil's advocate thing would be in that third quarter when things were kind of falling apart and the Knicks couldn't get anything going, I thought that Randall and Fournier were kind of playing two-on-five for a little bit there. And maybe that's them just trying to get comfortable with that relationship again. So they were kind of overdoing it. But... They, in my opinion, they definitely overdid it. And it was, you know, they were sort of hijacking possessions, almost like an ISO, but like two-man ISOs, where they were kind of just passing the ball between each other, which is fine when it works. But when neither of your shots are falling, maybe try to make that extra swing pass because, you know, clearly something just was was off, you know, and Fournier didn't have a great shooting night. Randall didn't have a great shooting night. They were combined eight of 24 from the field and two of 10 from three. So like, you know, I can understand trying to rekindle that whole thing, but don't do it. If you're literally shooting the team out of the game would basically be my advice going forward, which hopefully won't be the case much longer. Cause I agree overall, the big takeaway from this game for the Knicks, I think not to like bury the lead here was the process was good. And the, the, their, outlook going forward is a lot better if they play like they did today um 
and and can bring it for 48 minutes and show some symbiosis between the bench and the starters, particularly down the stretch of games. So anyway, Gavin, I think that's about all for this episode. Do you have anything else that you wanted to bring up before we get going uh, or are we ready to sign off? No, I think I think we can call it. Uh, so thank you, everyone, for tuning into this episode of Locked on Knicks. If you are not already, please subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. Even more importantly, head to YouTube, subscribe on YouTube. Tell a couple of friends to subscribe on YouTube. It's 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 a massive, massive help. Um, we really appreciate it. Leave a five-star review. If you're, if you're up for that, you can say horrible things about us in the comments as long as you have those five stars. We will talk to you soon. Peace out. Be good. Go Knicks.